0: Welcome to (laughs) 8, aka B3, whatever you guys want to call it. We're still figuring that out, Um, but as you probably know us all at this, like everyone who's listening knows at this point, but um, I'm Cliff with Ghost, Caden and Grant. Caden, can you say something? Something. (laughs) You would. This is Caden. (laughs) Grant, can you say something?
1: Uh, uh, I'm Grant. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm already looking forward to this. This is going to be good. Um, So our primary focus today is how should we tier these three things? We're looking at the liberty of conscience, Christ, and the church. Um, A scenario we often face is when we disagree with another Christian, maybe even a church elder, then what do we do? Um, And so I'm really looking forward to talking about that. We'll talk about it later, but I definitely want to catch up with you guys first. So um, let's start with personal life. How has personal life for you both? And I can even start us
2: if, if you need a moment to think. I can start us off. Do it. Uh, I. This is Caden for all <laughs> you listeners out there uh, who aren't familiar with my voice yet. Uh, you will be uh, by the end of this. Um, so I uh, graduated from SIUE. I worked with a campus ministry called Crew for a couple of years uh, here in St. Louis, and then also overseas. Uh, in an undisclosed location, <laughs> um, along with Cliff, um, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. currently uh, I now work uh, in the software field, and I um, I'm, in, I'm loving it. And I'm, I got engaged about a month ago, be yeah, boy. in uh, February. So me and my fiance Taylor are uh, surely completing tasks that it takes to get done with a wedding. Don't call me Shirley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. That's uh, good stuff.
1: Yeah, I can go. Oh, fudge. <laughs> well, for those of you who can't see this, which is everyone, Caden just spilled his entire beer on himself. <laughs> which what in the world? <laughs> Anything about Caden is not that's even remotely surprising.
0: That's true. But... My favorite was when he had mustard on his. Shoulder. Uh,
1: sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so a little <laughs> bit about me. I likewise graduated from SIUE. I graduated two years ago, uh, come May, and I work or I have worked since graduation for Emerson Electric. I am also a software developer, uh, focusing primarily in the security field. Um, I got married back in May. Yeah, he did. My wife was actually on the same trip to the undisclosed location that Caden and Cliff were. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much all that needs to be known about me, I suppose. Good.
0: There's, there's plenty more. There's definitely more to know about both of you. That's about Uh, (laughs) our (laughs) life. Well, I just following you guys. I definitely feel like I'm in a sweet season of life right now. Um, I, I think so for those, I'm guessing everyone at this point would have known would know all of us, um, but since I moved down to Florida, um, I've been seeing some recent friendships, bud into like a mutual enjoyment. And that's, honestly, I think that was something I didn't really foresee being a challenge as much as I thought it would be. Like I knew it would be hard, but um, I'm just really thankful for it. And we just had a Reformation celebration. Uh, did you guys end up doing one of those again?
1: No, we just did the local Halloween parade here in Edwardsville. Nice. That's still they fun. They kept up their game this year. They were giving out free hot dogs, so you would have liked it. And, uh, <laughs> Not, <God> true. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Not true. They're also giving out free donuts. So oh, was a I, like that.
0: I, I would have liked that. I really would have liked that. We ended up, so we got, um, so last year we had that big thick block of wood. Yeah. And I got, I got a, like a thinner, I went to Home Depot and actually bought some wood. Um, about the same nails and so that was about the same but people were like because the wood was more narrow like some people at first thought it, it would be really easy and I was just like jokes on them because I got an oak and it was really tough so um, and obviously oak is biblical so the, about that.
1: the church doors at Wittenberg the were they oak
0: <laughs> I don't know that really makes me wonder now you yeah, know, if Martin Luther was standing there for like five minutes, just nailing <clears throat> 95 faces
2: <pieces> in. <laughs> I, I think one of my favorite G- Christ, German Christian stories is uh, St. Boniface, who's called the Apostle to the Germans. When he went to Germany, there was this giant oak called the Oak of Thor or the or- Oak of uh, Odin. And in the middle of the night, he cut it down and and built a church with it. And everyone was like, wow. Odin didn't strike him, so Christianity must be real, and that's how he converted <laughs> Germany. <so. laughs> that's effective. He's effective evangelism. He's, saint Boniface is basically the patron saint of Edwardsville because that's the name of the Catholic church in this town. So,
1: and everyone's Catholic here.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, that is true. But there's well, there's, there's a lot of people. That's hyperbole, but I know what you mean. <laughs> it's about one to two fifths of the population, I think. Wow, that's actually a large chunk um, but yeah, I'd, and I could talk I, I'm really excited about um, all, like, all of this and I think I, I find it interesting that I haven't <laughs> last time I talked to you guys was I think on the podcast because I missed Minecraft Monday um, and so I, I could talk for hours with you guys but we can move on to the discussion today um, it's I guess if we were to make it a title, the the best title I could think of was like the power of the church and Christian liberty. Um, since it's very, I think the power of the church is a wide spectrum. And I'd be curious to know your guys' thoughts. Um, but as we all read Bannerman, um, James Bannerman wrote a book called um, The Church of Christ. And he has a section um, called Church Power in Regards to Doctrine that we'll be looking at. Um, which is really just about the church exercising their power in regards to faith and doctrine, ordinances, discipline, and government. Um, in this specific section, he's talking about creeds and confessions. Um, and so um, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's okay. Uh, we'll um, hopefully be a soft entry into that conversation for you. So to write, Um I take it you guys have James Bannerman pulled up. If not, I can just read it.
1: Um, yeah, give me one second. Okay. Yeah. I got it up. All right.
0: I'm going to go ahead and start reading it. I'll just read the whole paragraph, and then we can um, kind of launch out of this, knowing that we can go so many different ways, but I have a few questions prepared, and anything you guys want to talk about, we can try and get it, fit it in our time. So, um, James Bannerman writes, Ecclesiastical authority in matters of faith, as it is given to the church to administer, and the right of conscience in matters of faith, such as each man must exercise for himself, are opposite but not irreconcilable forces in the church system. To me, as an individual member of the Christian society, the authority of my own conscience under God is absolute and supreme to the effect of determining my own belief. But this does not destroy, although it may limit, the authority of the church in the matter. In virtue of its character as a divine appointment set in the Christian society for that very end, the church has a right to declare the truth. And that, not in the shape only of counsel or advice, but in the shape of authoritative declaration as an official teacher, and I am bound to pay a measure of deference to his decisions and to hear it when it speaks. And so this really opens up the can of worms um, with the general question of how then should we tier um, Christian liberty, Christ, and the church um, when we think about um, the authority that each has um, over a person's life. And so how would you guys initially tier, um, if you could... I know that you've been thinking about it since since I reached out, so it might be tainted a little bit. But, like, first thoughts when you're, like, thinking of how would you tear them out?
2: Yeah, um, I think even just to unpack um, just kind of the categories he put in place. Um, uh, I can't remember if he mentioned it in that first paragraph, but as he kind of unpacks that whole section, he has three kind of categories of authority that he he pointed out. First was the authority of Christ. Um, and then the authority of the individual, particularly their conscience, and then lastly is the authority of the church. Um, and and he kind of tiered it in the sense in, in, in this order of Christ's authority first, uh, and then the individual conscience, um, and then lastly he, he put the church. And um, I, I am interested to talk about this with you guys. Uh, I, Cliff, I think you might have more of an idea in particular, what he's referring to, since you um, uh, have have read most of this book, it sounds like, um, and so maybe you can help kind of enlighten us uh, to some of the nuances he might be having. But uh, I think on first, on kind of my first gut reaction is, um, I, I think the how the authorities are divvied up uh, is interesting. Um, I I would probably um, I would probably put it Christ authority. Top, obviously, but then yeah. seeing the church being the extension of Christ's authority uh, on earth, um, and so putting that second, um, mm-hmm. and then the um, the individual conscience would would, uh, and that's that's the part that's confusing me. I I would, in general, say that an individual should give deference to um, the authority of the church, but yeah, mm-hmm. you have special cases like we we're just talking about the Reformation with Martin Luther. Um, hmm. and he has the famous line, wh- whether he said it or not, he basically acted it out. Um, he said, it's, it's neither safe nor right to stand, uh, to go against one's conscience. Um, hmm. and so he basically was saying, I, I'm convinced that the scriptures teach this. Um, and, and I, I cannot go against my conscience. And so it, I, I think on first look, um, uh, a notable example like that would, would be in line with uh, what uh, Bannerman's saying here. Uh, but I think right. there's more to the story. Um, I think you do have to recognize that uh, Martin Luther was ordained. Um, he was, uh, I don't know if he was a priest, but he was definitely in some type of clergy. Uh, mm. He was running in the line with the uh, ecclesiastical structures, uh, and he may not have all, all of it packed, unpacked at that point of his life, Uh, But a major, um, I heard, uh, I was listening to a Lutheran speak recently, uh, and he kind of had the bold claim of saying uh, patristics were invented by Lutherans uh, because, uh, like, the Lutherans were not trying to, uh, uh, like, revolutionize the church. They were Mm -hmm. really trying to reform it and going back to, um, yeah, what the original church was always saying. And so they were looking back and really appealing to authority uh, in a lot of ways to this is what the church father says. Here's what the uh, creed said. Um, and so I think, um, yeah, I think there is something to say that there there are opportunities where a conscience should come into play. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And I would agree. Yeah. It's probably not safe to go against your conscience, but um, how you work that out. Um, so, yeah. So I say all that just to say, maybe I uh, need, I'm, I'm interested to have a further conversation with you guys mm-hmm. um, about, yeah. How do we define, um, yeah, conscience. Like, what? What do we mean when we say conscience in terms of what? Uh, are, we, are we? Yeah, doctrine, orthopraxy, mm. um, different things like that. And so, I, I think that will help me kind of unpack those nuances that that Banderman's trying to make when he puts um, individual conscience second. Yeah,
0: and before before asking Grant, um, that's I'll even reveal my hand and say that that's my gut reaction as well. as no, I I, I see. Obviously, I think it'd be indisputable to many, if not all, that Christ is first um and so it's really interesting as will impact like the the second two categories of church and and uh conscience um that's that's yeah i would I would have the same ordering christ the church and conscience and so grant, what are your thoughts and um what are you bringing to
1: um I don't know if it's anything that necessarily differs from you guys i guess it was a question that i've never really thought much about until i read this section and um i thought he presented some really good arguments and and so i i i I understand where he's coming from and i my my mind immediately goes to um you know a, a passage like the last verse of romans 14 which says that I think it's Romans fourteen at least. uh, Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Um, And so, and I realize I have not given an answer on uh, how I would tear these things. It's mostly because I—I don't know if I would initially. I probably would tear that, tear it similarly to you guys, the same as you guys. And then I think after. But having read it, I was like, perhaps it's not quite that simple. And it got me thinking more about the mm-hmm. authority of the conscience, the individual conscience of mm. um but yeah, so yeah, I'm curious uh where this is gonna go tonight. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah and that's um I'm once again I just in the same boat as I was really thinking through it was like my first thought coming into considering these categories, um, was what Caden was saying. And even what you said, but as I started to think more, I was really seeing some leeway for, you know, does it, does an individual's conscience have more authority, um, over their faith and over doctrine and and even the practice of their life than the church. And then that's where you just get into the details, um, that we can jump into here. And so, um, it's pretty obvious which are the most problematic. and that would be, are most problematic to understand and apply. And that would be the, uh, the authority of the church and the authority of the conscience. Uh, Cause we've definitely seen those at war um, through, I mean, church history and I guess you could say life history uh, <laughs> or human history. But um, what would you guys say the Liberty of conscience ends? And if, if you think, you know, there's another question we need to address first, we can start with that too. <clears throat>
2: On uh, just in general about the liberty, like of the authority of the conscience.
0: Yeah. And I would say this looks like, for example, um, this looks like someone justifying themselves firmly at the cost of um, other church members, convictions and lifestyles. So it's like, like, where, where's the line, I guess, if we're going to look at where all these lines are between these three, namely those last two on the church and the conscience
2: um i guess like how do we find that line well i I think and yeah there's there's elements of what's obvious and what there's what what's not obvious um i would say uh so christ's authority being ultimate um and we see that matthew 28 not to be uh terribly redundant but just the authority given to me um to Caden. Yeah, to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, just I, kidding, I, it's Christ. Yeah. Uh, and and so all, all things that are done are an extension of his authority, um, and so any authority um, that individual has obviously is an extension from God. That mm-hmm. uh, and just most notably, we would see the image of God on on man. That that he's been given um, kind of the reflection in his likeness, and and then also being his image, being uh, a reflection, not only of his character, but of his authority on earth, that we were supposed to be um, vice regents of the earth, that we were supposed to uh, rule the earth. Um, and so there, there is an extension of authority given to, to man in general um, in these matters. Um, and then the church given a special authority um, to, yeah, to basically like we see, I, I can't remember if it's first or second Timothy, it might be a different book. Um, that the church is the the pillar and buttress of the truth. That it's the church's job to uphold the truth, um, not, not mm. to not to be the one who defines truth, um, but to be the one that upholds it and says to the world, like, hey, here is the truth. Um, this is what we're holding forth to you. And so there's an element where there are definitely some things that the church holds authority over. Um, like mm. I I might have a conviction. Um, and and, and, gener- and this is where I think we need to have more conversation of what we mean by conviction um, hmm. because we can have a conviction like I think Jesus is the son of God or I don't think he's the son of God. And those are things that hmm. me as an individual, I don't have the authority to, to, to dictate, um, but the hmm. church has the authority to uphold it and guard it. Um, hmm. But, yeah, I, I think maybe what we're more referring to is more um, – praxic questions of like mm. how how ought we believe how ought we act out our faith um, things like that and and that's where it gets a little bit more um confusing and so yeah I, I'm kind of, <laughs> and, and and that's where i i think i'm laying down just a foundation of just some thoughts i'm having and i'm not quite um, um answering the question but uh, I, I would say that humans generally have a lot of we're volitional creatures, we choose things, and so mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, um, you can tell someone to do something, but the man will choose whatever he does um, mm-hmm. and I mean and what that looks like is is going to be bearing but um, i think I think individuals have a lot more power than we might give ourselves um, credit for mm-hmm.
0: so i I even think as, as you're saying um know the church having the decision or like uh, or maybe so like the authority to guard things like consider core doctrines like the like christology um obviously like the trinity things like that like who then makes up the church because i think that's even like a relevant detail we need to address is you know when it's like the church has the authority it's like well then who in the church i guess if we were to be very specific
1: well i mean Um, i think that the like i I know that the the model that's set forth in the new testament is that the church is made up of a couple different offices i think you could probably get drilled on it i think at most or at at the very least most of the protestant denominations would agree upon three which would be just lay mm -hmm. lay people deacons and elders, um, mm-hmm. and you might get some divisions between them, or w- within those main groups um, among certain denominations. I'm not entirely sure, but you know, you have your laity, which are your people who, who are not in any official capacity in the church. They're more so just your your regular Joe Schmo who attends church, worships God, is leading his family, um, is baptized, is baptized. <laughs> Whether or not it has a baby is contentious, but um, <laughs> but and then. And then a step above that would be the deacons who have official serving roles, um, but aren't, uh, aren't going to be the teachers um, of, mm-hmm. the, of the church. And we see that in, in Acts, when the Hellenistic Jews are, are, the Hellenistic Jewish widows are being missed in the daily distribution of food, and the apostles say it is not right for us to give up teaching the word and preaching the word to serve tables, so they appoint I think it was seven people to carry out the task. And so their job was to make sure that the the Jewish widows, the Hellenistic Jewish widows got their daily distribution of food. So deacons, and these were called, uh, I think. Deacons are your, your serving capacity. There are these like various ministries within your church, whatever they may be, they're going to be by deacons. Above Mm -hmm. that are the elders who are the the teachers, uh, the official like teaching capacity of the church and that's where i would say most of the authority lies it's like i I don't Mm. i think you are to come under submission to your elders i can't think of anything off the top of my head right now from scripture that says that you are to come under the authority of the deacons i don't know what they would have there um maybe within the specific subsets of ministry but i think primarily the people who the laity are going to be submitting to in these matters are going to be the elders um, for they're like the shepherds of the flock is a term that's used to them there to direct the flock and um, the flock being the, the local church. And um, yeah, I don't know. Anything to add to that, you guys?
0: No, I, I think that that is um, parsed really well. I um I would say coming into this, I, I think, I guess scripturally I was thinking in, in two categories, Namely, just the office offices. I wasn't thinking of. Um, I, I'd have to look into. Or would you guys consider congregants as or lay lay people as an office? Or would you say that that's? Um,
2: I would. I would not have an office. Um, um, I, yeah. I I would say that you have the church in the sense of all all like baptized members, and then you have people who are given authority over, um, over the church. And so,
1: Hmm. um,
2: yeah, I I think that's the other confusing thing is when we say church, we can mean a lot of different things. Um, there, Hmm. there's an element where it's the organic body of believers. Um, and then there's a more specific term that we use the church to refer to, I mean, the building, some people, like we say, we go to church, um, there's some, a lot of semantical differences, uh, but yeah, and then there's also, when we say the church, we, we mean the official uh, offices, which would be deacon and, and elder uh, overseer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we also have to recognize there is some semantical ways that we're using this word, um, but I mean, we'd all agree that people who are baptized, people who are um, walking in faith and repentance...
1: Um, but mm-hmm. then, within that Christ has set of offices, um, yeah so and it's those, and that's where you're going to find the the tension of the liberty of conscience and the liberty or the liberty of conscience and submission to the authority of the church, because Christ, through the Holy Spirit, hands authority to the elders of the church to shepherd and mm. guard the flock, and as the laity, it's our duty to humbly submit to them and, and follow them. Mm. And so, and I, and God, God very much loves hierarchy. Um,
0: <laughs> that sounds very pointed. <laughs> it, uh, I
1: mean, we, we live in a culture that doesn't like hierarchy. You know? That's, true. Uh, That's okay, true. But, uh, uh <laughs> but God very much throughout scripture, God loves hierarchy. Um, and there's mm. always people. I agree with that. And there are always people who are appointed to lead. And of course it's never, it's never an appointment to, um, to lord it over people, our pastor mm. Steve has, a fondness, well said. has a fondness for saying election um, or appointment is never of privilege, it's of responsibility. And so mm. the elders receive not a, it's not a, a position that they are appointed to so that they look good, it's that, so that they can serve the body of Christ. And then we are then in response to, to humbly submit to that leadership and and trust trust them and they're taking us And that's where you're going to find your the tension with liberty of conscience because it's like what if my elders are doing things that mm. I don't agree with right um yeah which i'm sure that most people who are listening to this will have had experience with i mean i know that we've had yeah. where we've we've had disagreements with our elders and so then the question mm-hmm. becomes what do you do do you do you leave uh, or do you submit? And mm-hmm. I think there are appropriate times for both responses. So yeah, the it, question it, just becomes what, in, in any given situation, what does that look like? Yeah. In, in the words of Ozzy Osbourne,
2: I'm going through changes.
0: <laughs> uh, one of the greatest philosophers of our time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have, just thinking through all this, and before stepping into, I'm going to read Romans 14. And kind of um, even pinpoint some tension that I think we face with um, just any other Christians. It can be elders. It can be um, those who are just lay members. Um, But a list I have here, um, and I start with um, just being consistent with Romans 14. Um, So starting with um, eating anything that's not vegetables. (laughs) Uh, How to spend your Lord's Day consuming alcohol. How to organize a Sunday service. Tattoos. Um, which reasonable songs to sing during a Sunday service or not singing Ozzy Osbourne, um, puffing cigars or, or even pipes, the use of language and anything else you guys could think of um, that, we, that would fall under the Christian liberty umbrella. Um, I think these are things that the principles of passages like Romans 14 um, even helps draw a line in because I'm still thinking of the end of um, Christian liberty and then I even want to think of well, then when can we stand firm in our Christian liberty? Um, And so if that's even something we can do. And so I'll read Romans 14, where Paul says, "Um, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Um, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. So given the principles and even just this passage um, and any other passage you could think of too, you're welcome to bring it in. Um, when does exercising Christian liberty end?
1: Um, I think it's also, I think it's helpful in a conversation like this to define what the point of Christian liberty is mm. I think too often we think of it in terms of well what what can I get away with even if you wouldn't put it in those terms but I think the 1689 is mm. really helpful in <laughs> situations like this or like at least for me it was extremely helpful in kind of setting forward what um, the point of Christian liberty and the liberty of conscience are and mm-hmm. but it's... before you start that for all our
2: listeners who don't know what the sixteen eighty nine is, the full name is uh the London Baptist Confession uh, of <laughs> sixteen eighty nine. Uh it's it's the it's the meat and potatoes for every Reformed Baptist, so go check it out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> that it is. Are you Reformed Baptist, Caden? I
2: don't know. <laughs> I read the sixteen eighty nine. I enjoy it for the most part. <laughs> I all just right, remember your we'll note be... on baptism recently. <laughs> you know, I I I mean I don't have any elders who are pressing me to decide.
0: <laughs> well, you're not alone. I'm honestly the the um, infant baptism discussion, which can totally be another time, is uh it's been weighing on me and it's 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 pretty reasonable. So um, but carry on. Sorry. Thank you for bringing that up. So Grant you're talking about sixteen eighty nine yeah. and yeah. can you help to find it?
1: Yeah, it's um so there's a an entire chapter in the confession devoted to Christian liberty and liberty of conscience. It's chapter 21 and I think of particular uh help in this discussion is paragraph 3 which says, "They who on the pretense of Christian liberty practice any sin or cherish any sinful lust pervert the main purpose of the grace of the gospel to their own destruction. They completely destroy the object of Christian liberty." Which is that we, being delivered out of the hands of all our spiritual enemies, might serve the Lord with, with uh, serve the Lord without fear, in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our lives. And so, with, in effect, what this is saying is that Christian liberty is not so that I can just—it's not just so that I can do whatever I want and not mm-hmm. worry about the consequences. It's that I may worship God with. A clean conscience, and I don't have to fear worshiping God anymore because God has made has reconciled me to Himself mm. in the the work of Jesus Christ. And that's so, well said. Um, yeah, so I don't think like if you if you're asking questions like, is this allowed? Am I am I is, am I is it okay to do this? I don't know if that's necessarily the right question. The question should be more along the lines of, can I do this and still worship God with a clean conscience? Mm. Uh, So I think that's helpful in this type of discussion because it's like where the question becomes like, you know, like tattoos and things like that. It's like some people might not be able to worship God with a clean conscience if they were like, oh, if I get a tattoo, I feel like, you know, there's this passage in Leviticus. And it's like, well, uh, I think there are plenty of faithful brothers out there who would say, "Uh, I agree with you, you shouldn't get a tattoo. And then if you're like, I can't worship God with a clean conscience by getting a tattoo, if I get a tattoo, it's Mm -hmm. like okay, then you should not get a tattoo. Um, there are plenty of faithful brothers out there who would you know, argue in the other direction. So that's where I think that the liberty of conscience really comes into play, because mm. like God has freed us from anything uh, that's not expressly written down in his word. We don't have to follow the teachings and commandments of men because God has freed us to, to serve him, and he's given us everything that we need to serve him and worship him right mm. in his word. And so I think that's the true, uh, that's, the, that's the true point of Christian liberty and liberty of conscience is that we would, we have the word and we, know, we it's open to everyone. Therefore, we can know what it says and um, we can worship God freely from there.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's really well said and well-defined and well-summarized. Um, and I, I guess I, I'm even thinking of, I think I'm thinking of the person. I'm thinking of two kinds of people. I'm thinking of the person that would say, um, and I always think of alcohol just because I feel like that's a very easy one. A lot more people consume, not as many people get as um, tattoos as as much as people drink alcohol. So that's just the quick go too. I always think of Um, one person would say drinking alcohol is a sin, and I never will unlawfully. Um, Another person would say or another kind of person would say when I'm around alcohol and drink unlawfully and sin. And so like, would you say these distinctions are accurate or it's like two different types of people that are still abstaining or attempting to abstain from alcohol because they think it's a sin. Um, and you can insert tattoo. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if someone that's like close on the edge of like, I almost got a tattoo today, <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure they're out there.
2: Yeah. And- but, I think this is an important distinction, and I think Paul might bring it out a little bit. I haven't done a ton of reading in this passage. Um, but, uh, and there's probably words for what I'm about to describe that uh, the- theologians better than I have defined, but I'm just <laughs> going to use what comes to the top of my head. Um, you kind of have a negative side to this, and then you have a positive side to this. And what I mean by that is let's let's uh, let's take alcohol. Um, so... Um, you can tell someone not to do something and uh it's kind of the difference of like if i tell someone told someone you must uh you must not drink alcohol in order to be in the kingdom of god versus you must drink alcohol in order to be in the kingdom of god um so basically mm. if that person were to so let's say an elder is telling this is a weird example but I mean, there, there are probably practical examples that apply. Uh, but if an elder tells a congregant that, uh, you must not drink alcohol in order to be in the kingdom of God. The the congregant can do that, um, yet he has no moment where he would think, um, in me not drinking alcohol, I'm going against my conscience. Um, but if he's in a, in a situation where it's like, you must do this in order to to inherit the kingdom of God. Um, and then while he's doing it, he doubts it. I think that is um, more what we're talking about, or like Paul kind of references mm-hmm. that towards the end of the chapter of saying, uh, for whoever has doubt is condemned for he eats uh, because he's not eating from faith. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm not describing this perfectly the way I'm thinking about this, but there, there's kind of a difference between telling someone not to do something and, and mm-hmm. to do something. And so, um, and so what I mean by that is, um, yeah, it's like I have no moment of – I have no crisis in my head when I'm not doing something because I'm not doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm never going per se against my conscience when I don't do something. Um, I mean there are probably examples or uh, exceptions. Um, but in I general, know what you mean. Like,
0: generally speaking. Generally yeah.
2: speaking. I'm, I'm not thinking like, oh, I'm not eating meat right now. I must be sinning. It's like if I mm-hmm. eat meat all the time, it would be bad news. Um, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's in those moments when you are doing something or about to do something where the conscience is involved. Um, and so all that being said, I, I'm sure there's more to be unpacked there. I haven't fully kind of unpacked that category in my mind, but mm-hmm. recognizing um, the main thrust of this passage is um, um, pointing to verse, uh, just for, verse 19. Uh, so let us pursue uh, what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. And so there so a pastor could tell his congregation, do not drink alcohol um, rightfully because he might be in a culture and society that says um, that, that that might tarnish the gospel. Uh, and hmm. so I, I would say there, there are moments in context where a, a pastor can say, do not do this or don't do that. Um, uh, don't do this. Don't do that. Um, and be right to say it. Um, Yeah, and I think there's more trouble in telling people you have to do this or don't do that. And then there's also the distinction between uh, what you ought to do and then, like, matters of salvation. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, for example, circumcision being a huge one Mm -hmm. in the New Testament. Uh, I was going to go there. If if you're telling someone you must do this in order to be saved, then you get into dicey water or to be justified. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you're saying to someone, this is what the Bible requires us to do— but not make it a matter of like, I, and that's the, and that's a, it's a really fine distinction. I'm sorry. I'm talking long on this, but um, <laughs> like the distinction is if I'm telling someone you ought to do this thing or not do this, let's just keep it in alcohol just to keep all things equal. Um, yeah. If I tell them, if I'm a pastor and I tell someone do not drink alcohol, because if you do, you'll lose your salvation um, or you'll lose your justification. Mm. Um, then, then I'm in dicey water. But if I sit, if, if I, as a pastor say, don't drink alcohol because that will bring reproach onto the name of Christ. And that uh, congregate goes out and drinks alcohol and does bring reproach on uh, the name of Christ. I would say there is warrant to, to correction. Um, um, and, and maybe even discipline if the person does repent, because the issue is not that they're drinking alcohol. The issue is that they're willing to disobey their leader and, and and bring, and stir up trouble. So so that that's the nuance is 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 the are we talking about the action itself or are we talking about things that might be results of the actions that like stirring up the vision uh dishonoring the name of Christ things like that. Mm-hmm. And so it really is um it gets really nuanced I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Um and that's okay. All right, go ahead, Grant. No, just, I was just I was just going to say it's a case by case thing because it'll look different and
0: in various contexts and that's honestly i wrestle with that a lot um i think of i'm even just having worked as um for uh what what am i trying to say i was gonna say a missionary company um but i think i honestly wrestle with when i hear things like imb where they're like you can't drink um like part of me is like well why can't you just like grow someone into that understanding that it's not the object that's the sin. And, and so I, I wrestle greatly with that. Cause I, I even, you read passages like um, in Leviticus, it says Leviticus 19, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur, incur sin because of him. I think passages like these temper um, passages like Romans 14, even 15, where it's talking about you know, um, Paul saying, you know, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. And he goes on um, to talk about Christ being a great example or the example of that. And so I, I wrestle, I just realize that I wrestle a lot with like, you know, why can't, you know, I even help someone understand, um, you know, that it's it's not just, you know, this this thing that's causing you to sin. It's It's even a belief that, you know, this object is sin um and so how does that guy how does that weigh on you guys do you think it like like this is like an easy topic for you guys or because for me it's sometimes grueling when i um even just interact with other christians and i'm like i feel like i'm impatient and i feel like you know i'm not not willing to to give up um you know these kinds of things
1: yeah i think for me that's been i i know what you like i I empathize with you or sympathize. I don't know. I always forget which one is which. But, uh, <laughs> I feel you, that, bro. That was, yeah. <laughs> That's all I need <laughs> as, as the young kids say. Just but fun. um, Yeah, that was something, especially the IMB thing about not drinking or like you see it in some SBC circles too. Um, we had friends who planted SBC or, or ministers in SBC, uh, mm-hmm. SBC church and they were told that they were not allowed to drink. And I remember being real upset by it and, and, a lot of questions and but i think i've i've grown since then because i think that there is there's a principle laid down in scripture that is uh god loves it when people who are under authority submit to that authority even if that authority is erring mm-hmm. uh, and that's not to say like 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 i want to temper that with the you know the apostles in acts whenever they're brought before the sanhedrin and they're like you need to stop preaching in the name of jesus and the apostles are like, We can't listen to men, we must listen to God. Yeah. So like there's like that that's a different category of things that I'm talking about. But I think I see, you know, you see passages in I think it's it's one of the Peter in letters where Peter says that bondservants are to submit to their masters, not just the kind ones, but also the, the unjust ones. Hmm. And to submit in that way is honoring is, is honoring to God. Um, and so and yeah, I mean Ultimately today we can't give a a hard and fast rule because it's gonna look different from case to yeah. case. But I think that principle is something that we often forget. Um and it's that God loves submission in, in every mm. form. Submit to authorities that He in His grace and His goodness has placed over us, um we are expected to submit unless uh they're going to do something that's contrary to the explicit command mm. of the church. And I think even – I'm going to bring it back to the 1689 because it's good because the paragraph right before the one I read says that God alone is the word of conscience and has mm. left it free from all doctrines and commandments of men which are in any respect contrary to his word or not contained in it. Thus, to believe such doctrines or to obey such commands out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience. And the requiring of an implicit faith and absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of conscience and reason also. Mm. So it's kind of some context is that implicit faith was this idea that cropped up out of the Catholic church, which was that the believer, the people who were in the Catholic church didn't need to believe the church because these things that they were teaching were explicitly written down in scripture. It was, they needed to believe them because they're the church and they have that authority. Mm. So, the 1689 and the Westminster Two were both combating this type of thinking by saying that the the individual believer has reason and conscience and, and God has freed that conscience from any doctrines which are not contained in his word. Mm-hmm. And so to believe them and do them out of conscience is to, as they say, to destroy the, uh, is to betray true liberty of conscience. And So we don't have to follow anything that's necessarily, that's, I think what Caden said it well, any of these things that are saying that you must do this in order to obtain salvation, or you must do this, you must not do this unless you, or if you do, you will lose your salvation. I think that we are freed from those types of things. But there are other things which are of lesser importance that I think that even if you disagree with, you are still bound to submit to your elders, because you brought yourself under them by mm. becoming a member or joining a church. Um, and I guess ultimately, at the end of the day, you can like make the volitional choice to leave a church and go to one that um, perhaps aligns more in whatever area with what you think, but I don't think that's a good precedent to set.
0: Mm.
1: It doesn't seem like I, there's nowhere in the New Testament where that, something like that is commended and, and looked upon in a favorable light. So, mm-hmm. We're too- pain, unity, and not, not be divisive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and that's the important thing, is that
2: the the question ought to always be what will what will maintain the bonds of peace? And then, yeah, and I, and I feel that, because like, we, we worked in an undisclosed country uh, where there particularly was an aversion to alcohol, among other things, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it was frustrating at times, because it's like, what the heck? Like, I've got this, this free, like, it is not unclean. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not what goes into the mouth that's unclean. Um, but um, recognizing it's not a matter of whether the alcohol is clean or unclean to me. It's, it's a matter of, am I, am I maintaining unity or breaking unity? Uh, and then just even what, uh, what we can, I think, kind of to help with the frustration is just uh, remember our eschatological hope of that one day, um, yeah, everyone's going to be in the new heavens and new earth. And um, in the words of Isaiah 25, there'll be a feast of rich food and a feast of well aged wine and I hope there's some beer in there too uh, <laughs> but that, <laughs> I mean that's part that's uh, <laughs> assuredly whiskey um, yeah, yeah, of course my, one of my eschatological hopes is that I'm going to drink wine with you when so,
1: <laughs> um, you drink grape juice that's what I've heard before I mean <laughs>
2: yeah. today I did bread and grape juice and Jesus is going to be like dude that's a weird mixture. Yeah. Do it separately. <laughs> yeah. You drink this, you eat that. You don't eat it all. <laughs> Hashtag anti intinction Anti
0: intinction. Right? Oh man. When are you My gonna get one of those t shirts?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and that's I, I even think um I was trying to draw from something Grant had said earlier. And I, I think I think it's really on my will to, to give things up. And I think sometimes, I think there is a general understanding that that's always the case is that you will always give up. And I think that's even how I see things. Um, And so I think even a misunderstanding of like not taking it case by case um, makes it harder to, for me, um, to actually give up things like alcohol to the brother who, you know, is gonna, you know, leave your, your house um, after you drink a beer in front of him he 's going to get smashed and that 's not every person, but you know we need to know those kinds of people that are coming into our lives and we 're being around and, and that 's once again just thinking in terms of alcohol that can be um, you know a few different other things and so i i i 'm sure you guys realize we 've gone largely over time, but um for a really good reason and um, and i'm i 'm not going to cut this last part i'm we 're going to finish it and actually I edited it to be um, one truth and a lie because I was thinking, I realized as I'm starting to put all these paragraphs next to each other, um, they were kind of long. And for you guys to remember everything that was said, um, for there to be two confessional truths and then a lie would be a little bit tough to track. So um, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to read both of these paragraphs before revealing what they are and where they came from. Um, I'll also give you a hint so that you can frame which category to think in. Like, for example, um, you know, Christian liberty, Trinity, God, whatever. And then after each one, give me your initial thoughts. And then if you need me to, I'll repeat each paragraph once to clarify what was said. And then at the very end, I'll ask you what you think is true, what you think is false and why. So, all right, here we go. First one, um, the hint is it's on justification. And it says, If anyone saith that men are justified either by the sole imputation of the justice of Christ or by the sole remission of sins to the exclusion of the grace and charity which is poured forth in their hearts by the Holy Ghost and is inherent in them, or even that the grace whereby we are justified is only the favor of God, let him be anathema.
2: Oh, that's easy. That's (laughs) easy, baby. Initial thoughts?
1: That sounds very... Uh... It sounds like the Council of Trent. Yeah. So I would initially be like, this, I did... is, this is boo-how. <laughs> Not like... I, I do have an
2: unpopular opinion in relation to that. Uh, because usually the argument is, uh, is, is, um, is justification, like, is it, in, is it uh, uh, what is it, um, impartation or infusion? Hmm. Uh, and there, there is an element, what God in part he also infuses and so but to to remain like to remain kind of clear when we're talking about justification it's a it's a reckoning it's an impartation imputation, uh, imputation. Um, <laughs> i go was going to say i was like I, I didn't read impartation but i can yeah, it's, it's, yeah justification <laughs> is reckoned to to a person but that's not the only thing that's happening um people are, are given the holy spirit which is the spirit of righteousness so mm-hmm. um, there is an element where people are infused, of course, with yeah. righteousness. But yeah, the, the the issue at hand is justification. So, um, I think I can firmly reject that um, yeah, as a okay. as a good so, All right, we're moving on. Yeah, get that trash <laughs> out of here. <laughs> the
0: The next <laughs> the next one here's the hint is on sanctification, and it reads. If anyone maintains that God awaits our will to be cleansed from sin, but does not confess that even our will to be cleansed comes to us through the infusion and working of the Holy Spirit, he resists the Holy Spirit himself, who says through Solomon, open quote, the will is prepared by the Lord, close quote, Proverbs 8.35. And the salutary word of the apostle, open quote, for God is at work in you both to will and work for his good pleasure, end quote. Philippians 2.13.
2: Thoughts?
1: uh yeah i would wholeheartedly affirm i i don't know what uh confession or counsel or whatever that is that's from but um yeah sanctification does not ultimately arise from within ourselves it's something that god has promised to his children by the work of the holy spirit and um it's not we don't curry his favor that he sanctifies us it's simply a work of his Free grace, and we're just the the great. We ought to be the grateful beneficiaries of that. So,
0: mm. all right. So, which? So, what would you say to the first one? Lie, Caden. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: the first one is is tr- Trinity. <laughs> tr- <laughs> all
0: right. So, yeah, it's um, the Council of Trent in fifteen sixty three was the first one. Is a sixth session. Um, from the Justification Canon, specifically Canon 11. Um, and then the second one was Council of Orange in 529 AD, Canon 4. Refuting the play jams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the first I one. Like that proof. That's a good proof. It's an orange. <laughs> yeah, it's an now orange.
2: I see the home <laughs> of the Florida orange.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Is that in Florida? Yeah. I think it's in Florida. Yeah, there's
0: a bunch of oranges that are just... On trees around here some people have them in their backyards which is great for them but my backyard does not have that
2: unpopular opinion oranges are overrated (laughs) that's slightly true (laughs) they're going to get kicked out of your state
0: now if I move to Arizona first they can't catch me (laughs) (laughs) so but that's all that's all we got any closing thoughts Caden or Grant
2: i uh, I think uh Florida is a lawless swamp, and you need to come back to <laughs> this great other lawless swamp that's
1: virgin <laughs>
0: okay. i I just had one I wanted to end with first um, john three sixteen not john three sixteen first John um, just relevant of considering Christian liberty and the authority of the church in Christ um, author says by this we know love that he being christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and so brothers thanks for being a good example of that in my life mm-hmm. i'm really benefited having you guys as good friends um roommates um coworkers workers and, and all that so
1: yeah boy yeah love it
0: yeah. Well, um, for whoever is listening, if there's anything you want to hear us discuss, please send us a message and we'll consider adding it to the list. Um, please do self-filter by considering this specific question. How does my topic relate to Christian living? Um, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, um, you can send whatever you want. We'll, we'll figure it out. So, <laughs> But cool. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. Good boy. Yeah. All right.